I deal with so many situations where people are being set free when they're 30 and 40 and 50 years old and wishing that somebody could have helped them so long ago. But I, I reassure them from the book of Joel that when God says, I'll give you back the years that the locusts have devoured, to recognize that in God there is no lost year, even the ones behind us. He can give us back those years. It's amazing how much hope that brings somebody that they don't feel like that I've just been, nobody told me, nobody offered. Well, I'm going to begin tonight by just a, a short review of last Sunday morning sermon where we talked about the fact that it's, it's a very common pattern for us to examine circumstances, for us to examine situations, to look at all the facts, look at the history, look at what somebody said or what somebody did, and examine all of those things, sort through them, work through them, and try to find some proper action to take to tell me what to do. Whether it should be plan A or plan B or plan C, we sort through all the circumstances, come up with a plan, and the answer to that was a guarantee. What you're going to get, if that's your process, is you're going to get turmoil every single time. The outcome will be turmoil. Because if the situation or circumstance improves, I've chosen wrong. If the situation worsens, I've chosen wrong. The actions will be very difficult to come up with, the proper ones, when it's based on circumstances. Again, I don't even give much wiggle room for exceptions. The outcome is going to be turmoil. So what are we supposed to do with this? Shelley came up after the Wednesday night service asking me a question about a situation that she was facing. And she was standing right here. She said, Randy, I don't know what to do. And I said, Shelley... What message do you want to send? And she said, man, that was simple, wasn't it? Because what should occur is that instead of sorting through the circumstances, looking for an action, we ought to settle the message first. What message do we want to send? And out of that message, the action will come very naturally. If I had a situation recently where a lady was having difficulty and I I said, you know, what message do you want to send your husband? Do you want to tell him that you're done? Do you want to tell him that you'll love him no matter what it is? He's ill and and having a difficult time. What message do you want to send? She said, this is what I want him to know about me. This is the message I want to send. I said, then does your action not become pretty simple? She said, yeah, it does, doesn't it? Because if the message is settled and the message that settles in you is above your circumstances, if the message that forms in you is above the situation, then no matter what their action No matter what they do back, it won't change your plan. And as a matter of fact, if we do this well, and our message forms, and it tells me what action to take, we really hope that the outcome can actually change the circumstance for the better. And again, if we do it right, we let God form the message in us. But if the message determines the action, then we won't waver. What message do we want to send? In any area of turmoil, in any place where you're trying to sort through, what do I do? I can assure you, the circumstances and situation, all of those, if those are going to determine the plan A, B, or C, there's what will happen, and the outcome of that is going to be turmoil. Mental, emotional, physical turmoil. But, again, if if the circumstances improve or worsen, we'll quickly question the plan we have, what we've chosen, if what we're doing is actually right. The prize at the end of this effort will be regret and guilt and blame and shame and several other things. Instead of looking there to find out what we should do, what we should do is that a message has to form in our heart above the circumstances 
filled with resolve so that no matter what happens, our message won't change. The example that I used was a message to our children when, when they were growing up. We could have told them, you're always right. And I want to guarantee you that would have set a set of actions in place. We could have set up, sent them a message that says, you will be the best. That would have put a set of actions in place to make sure that occurred. What we actually chose was the last one. Grace will define our lives. Took performance out and put grace in its place. And that clearly set a course of action for Jan and I in raising kids because we wanted them to know that grace would rule in our home. Again, as I, as I shared, you know, instead of their best day being the day when they came home and had the best scores or the best, best grades or whatever, and that would be the day they would be, get the most love and appreciation, that actually on the day when they came home with the worst news, the news that we dreaded the most would be the day that they were loved the most. So we made clear decisions out of a plan, that, that a message that was predetermined in our minds that we wanted to send our children. We also, we wanted to send other people a message. So we made a decision that we would raise children that other people would like. When they went into somebody else's home, that they would be glad we were there. If that was our message, there were certain things we needed to do. The message determined the action, and then the circumstances were affected by that instead of the other way around. So when it's done absolutely the best, God forms the message and it reverses the trend. Instead of circumstances being in control, the message is in control. So that was last week. And it, for a lot of people that were processing things, what do I do? It gave them a great answer. Find the message first. Let your actions be determined by the message. Well, tonight, I want to stop and consider a couple of things. Because there's one person to whom it is very, very difficult to form a message and send them. Extremely difficult. Who do you think would be the hardest person to send the heartfelt message to? Yourself. Very, very difficult to form a message that you want to send yourself. As a matter of fact, even as I contemplate it, I can see the challenge in it. What would I want to tell me that would determine my actions toward me? You've got to get your mind around that a little bit. You've got to work on that for a minute. Because I tell you, sometimes we badly mistreat ourselves. We're harsh, we're rude, we're difficult toward ourselves. So what does the message say? Well, you're not worth it. Or, But if we actually let God form the message about us to us, it becomes a little easier. What would God want me to tell me about me? You're fearfully and wonderfully made. There's a lot of things that I think we could find if God will form the message that we could actually send it. The other one, and the one that I want to talk about tonight, not ourselves, but the other one that is difficult is sending a message to God. If this works, then we ought to be able to form in ourselves a message that we want to tell God that will determine our actions with consistency, with resolve, determination, faithfulness. We ought to be able to say within myself, this is what I want God to hear from me. This is the message I want to send him that will affect my actions toward him. The reason that this is difficult it's like, that shouldn't be too hard. I want to tell God, I love you. Fine. What would your actions look like if that's the message that you want to send? Uh-huh. And that I will love what you love, and I will be where you want me to be, and I will honor you, and I will... And Again, that seems very simple. But in math, I think, help me if I'm wrong here, I think mathematically, if A equals B, then B equals A. That's got a principle tied to it. It's something reflective. There is something really profound attached to that. If A equals B, then B equals A. 
if I can look at A, the message, which would determine the actions B, then I ought to be able to look at B, the actions, and determine the message. What's the problem here? If you examine the actions, our actions, what kind of a message do we send God? Not a nice one, a strange one, an erratic one, an inconsistent one. See, this is why this one is hard. It's not hard to write. But if I examine my action to say, okay, what is the true message? It's all over the board. We're faithful and and consistent at times, and sometimes we ignore him, and sometimes we mistreat others, and all the things that say, these are my actions that, that, that say something back to God, and I wonder what the message is, because it seems to be inconsistent and all over the board. So I want to talk for just a few minutes about this second one, about our message to God. So what should it be? What message correctly says what is on our hearts? With each person forming words that reflect their story and God's rescue, with each person shaping their message that tells of their heart, I hope one word finds its way into each person's list. We know that that your story and my story, how God rescued us, how deep the despair, how young we were or how old we were, each one of those factors determines some piece of this message that we say back to God. It will change with great profundity. It will change based on the complexity and the situations that we've all faced. But as I studied this, there was one word that I hoped would be in each one, and that word, elusive word, was the word honor. Try when you get a chance to write a definition of that word. Kind of think for just a second. How would you begin that definition? I want you to listen to the Strong's Concordance on the Old Testament definition of honor. I mean, I'm reading this verbatim right off of the Strong's Concordance. To be heavy, be weighty, be grievous, be hard, be rich, be honorable, be glorious, be burdensome, be honored. Now pick something out of there that that means. Heavy, weighty, grievous, hard, rich, honorable, glorious, burdensome, honored. Be insensible, to be dull, to be honored, to be made heavy, to enjoy honor, be made abundant, to get oneself glory or honor, gain glory, to make heavy, make dull, make insensible, to make honorable, honor, glorify. You want to pick something out of that that really brings you this clear, resonating definition of the word honor? I couldn't find it. It was like, okay, there's got to be a better answer. There's got to be a way, because I would want God in all my message, God, I honor you. I honor you. I would want that to be in each message. Go with me, if you would, to 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. Really one verse. This is the story of a messenger coming to Eli, the high priest, because of what his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were doing and what he was allowing. And this is the warning. This is what was said to them because of that behavior. First Samuel 2, verse 30. Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, be it far from me, for them that honor me will I honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Suddenly there was a reason to understand the word honor. 
when I got to this point, it's like, okay, I need to gain clarity. Whatever it means, God says if we do it to Him, He will return it to us. So it kind of behooves me to know what He's talking about. Because if I honor Him, He will honor me. If I despise Him, He will esteem me lightly. This is God sending a message to Eli about the behavior of his two sons, their actions toward God. So let's look at the actions and see if we can see what was really going on. They were eating the sacrifices. They were stealing. They were taking advantage of Eli's position. So they were saying to God, you're second, we're first. They were saying to God, your truth applies to others, but not to us. Saying to God, you are here to serve us. To God, you are not worthy of my faithfulness. You are not worthy of my obedience. You are not worthy of my honor. And that was the message. So God's corrective word to Eli was simple. If you honor me, you will be honored. If you despise me, you will be lightly esteemed. When I look at that list that I think that Hophni and Phinehas were putting on display, you're second, I'm first, I wonder how many believers would have to include that in the message if the actions told what was really going on. How many times do we put ourselves before the things of God? Message when we do it. I'm first. You're second. It works okay for me. When we use the Word of God to correct someone or or to teach something and we don't apply it to ourselves, your truth applies to others but not to us. When we live disappointed with God, why would we say that? Because, God, you're here to serve me. I wish you'd do a better job. You're not worthy of my faithfulness or I'd be here. You're not worthy of my obedience or I would hear you. You're not worthy of my honor. I'd respect I couldn't come up with the answer. What does this mean? So what I couldn't completely discover by looking at the definition of the word honor, I can discover by looking at what happens to those who despise him. Because it it seemed like a little bit of a mixed match. If you honor me, I will honor you. If you despise me, I will hold you in lightly esteemed. So when I read that again, and I read all these words over here about the word honor where it says heavy. And the opposite said, if you despise me, the, the word was light. That connected with me. There's something about honor that was heavy. There was something about despising that was light. Okay, I'm beginning to connect. So to understand this, I looked at, at the word lightly esteemed. The word esteem was, again, a little bit more clear. What does it look like to honor God? To esteem him heavily. To hold him in regard heavily. For someone to be lightly esteemed, does that make sense? Like you would regard them with very little attention. You would show very little interest. And God's saying, if you despise me, then my actions towards you, what, what I would do, your life will not have the gravity because I will lightly esteem you. But if you honor me, how will he consider our life? That we would be heavily esteemed. If we heavily esteem God, the response is he will heavily esteem us. Your life will be in order and magnitude dynamically different than if you despise him. Your life, the reality of it, will be dynamically changed. So our message of honor to God that will determine our action toward Him is simple. We must correctly weigh Him and find Him to be worthy. Completely solid and heavy in His truth 
and heavy in his faithfulness to us. Let me me read that again. Our message of honor to God, what we want to say to God, that will determine our action toward him is simple. That we must correctly weigh him. What's going to happen when we weigh him? We're going to find that there is no fault in him. We're going to find that there is no failure in him. We're going to find that there is no complacency or indifference in him. Because when we weigh him, we're going to weigh him and find that the weight is perfect. When we weigh him and we find him to be complete, completely solid, heavy in truth, heavy in his faithfulness to us. The action that follows that, if, we, if that becomes what we want to say, is that the measure of his weight, all that we consider, that his very presence will produce a consistent and faithful action toward him. If we say to God, I find you complete, I find you fully truthful, I find you fully loving, I find you heavy in everything, complete in everything. Because if that's our message, then our actions that follow should be very clear. What is there that God would ask then that we would not do if we believe that? What is there that God would ask us to give that we would not give if we believe that? Where would he send us that we would not go if we believe that? What would we not teach? Who would we not care for if we believe that about God? Our message to God based on the actions, the inconsistent actions that we say is I consider you and I don't find you worth it. I don't find you heavy in truth. I don't find you heavy in anything. And so because of that, because I don't consider you in that way, then my inconsistent behavior is perfectly justified. But if we ever, ever change our message and the message becomes clear above the circumstances, with filled with great resolve, as we've talked about, then our message to God will create an action that says, my actions towards you, God, will be consistent, and I will live faithfully towards you. The second piece of our action, our consistent faith, will produce immediate obedience when we hear him or when we see him. So what are the two major components of our action? If we believe the right things about God, if we want to send him a message, then our actions will create faithfulness. Our faithfulness will create obedience. And then our actions will say back to God, yep, the message is true. I have found you heavy, that I can honor you and know that you too will find me the same way. What difference does it make? When he says these kind of things, to those who give little, what can he do in response? I can only give little. To those who give much, I can give much. To those who I trust a little, I I can give them only a few things. To those who I trust completely, I can give them the abundance. What's happening in that story? He's looking at who honors him and saying those who have correctly honored him, he can trust with so much more because he knows what's going to happen. We find it in the scripture. It's pretty prevalent. To whom I can trust little and to those I can entrust much. He weighs us and he allows us to move within his kingdom according to how he has measured us. Well, we, we understand it. What determines that? How we've measured him and how we weighed him. If we weighed him and found him faithful, weighed him and found him consistently good and loving, it's much easier for our actions then to reflect it. And we say to God a simple message, Thou art worthy. 
And if Jay's here, that's what we would sing. Thou art worthy, O God. I don't think you could weigh him and not come away that, that, that you would end up with a reverent fear. I don't think you could ever assess him any other way and not stand in awe and reverence and overwhelmed. I think we've lost it. Yeah, we'd walk in his ways. I wonder how our messages sound to him based on our actions. It, it would have to be strange, at least in my ability to process it. And I guess that's why we find great comfort in the fact that he, the sacrifice of Jesus that so thoroughly covered our sin allows a very different message to be sung back. It's also important to understand that we are accountable for these actions that we take and the message that we send, that we will stand there someday and there will be an accountability for what we've done in this body, whether it be good or bad, because it does contain a message. Lord, we thank you that we could be here tonight and just uh, come before you just to let you speak for just a few minutes, to bring the reality of this before us. We can do exactly what you have charged these to do back in the book of Samuel. The, the great instruction, the great corrective word to Eli and to his sons, if you honor me in all these ways of obedience and instruction that I've given for the priest to fulfill, if you honor me in obedience, if you honor me in your faithfulness and you find me weighty and heavy and worth it, then I will honor you as well. If you don't, then I will consider you lightly and esteem you lightly. And I pray, Lord, that that would not be our testimony, but that God has measured our message and found it heavy and weighty and full of faith because it wouldn't take but a few, but the consistent message to change the world. We've seen it happen. We thank you again, Lord, that we could be here together tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.